John Briggs Consultancy, leading Australia's reconciliation and Indigenous engagement journey. As a leading specialist in his field of training, consulting and facilitation, John has an exceptional talent for bringing each participant, organisation and audience along on a journey of discovery. He is a master of building cultural safety with any group. John works with audiences of all levels and backgrounds, from senior executives to students and educators. He covers political, legislative and economic pillars to help participants gain a better understanding of Indigenous governance in a holistic framework. John Briggs Consultancy is the exclusive provider and subject matter expert around Indigenous engagement for Coles nationally and he's delivered more than 180 presentations for them since 2011. If you want to find out more about John Briggs Consultancy, please go to www.johnbriggs.net.au or call John Direct on 0417-003-565. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. This time, we're up to our 27th episode, and I'm joined by Belinda Robinson, Vice President, University Relations and Strategy at the University of Canberra. A couple of quick things first, though. One, I wanted to remind you upfront that if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, then please get in touch or take a moment to rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. And you can, of course, connect with me on Twitter, LinkedIn or on Facebook. Secondly, I wanted to briefly comment on the growing awareness in Australia and across the world of the impact of structural and embedded racism and here in Australia, what that means for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Not only have we had the nationwide Black Lives Matter protests focused particularly on Aboriginal deaths in custody, we've started a more public conversation about Indigenous history and disadvantage in Australia. Some have sought to highlight differences between our experiences and those of the United States where the protests first started, and I note that yesterday, as I record this, we had the Prime Minister state that slavery had not existed in Australia. As someone who grew up in New Zealand and didn't move to Australia until my early 20s, I have only a fragmented understanding of Australian history. I was lucky enough, though, last year to participate in a cultural learning workshop as a member of the MEGT Board of Directors. During the workshop, I thought that my ignorance of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history was due to me being a Kiwi. It turns out that I was not alone, and many Australians who were there on the day or had participated in the same workshop in other organisations across the country had a similar level of ignorance. You'll have heard me talking about John Briggs at the start of each podcast episode this year. It was John who ran that workshop and it taught me so much. 
If you and your staff want to learn more about both our history and contemporary Indigenous culture and issues in an inspiring and empowering way, then do get in touch with John and have a chat. And a reminder that if you missed it last year, I had John join me on the podcast. It's episode six if you want to go back and have a listen. And now the formidable Belinda Robertson. Some of you will know her from her time as the Chief Executive of Universities Australia. She's now at the University of Canberra as well as chairing a number of different boards and for a number of months over the summer was the Acting Vice-Chancellor of the University prior to Paddy Nixon taking up the position. I wanted to hear Belinda's insights on leading a university through the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, as she very politely reminded me, UC was also dealing with drought, bushfires and a major hailstorm before the pandemic hit. There's always a lot to learn from Belinda. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's a pleasure for me to be joined on the podcast now from uh, by Belinda Robinson from the University of Canberra. Belinda, thank you for making time. And I wonder if you could start by telling us about uh, your background, uh, roles you've had in the sector, and particularly your current role at UC. Thanks, Claire, and thanks for inviting me to join you. I've been really looking forward to it. Um, so I look in the sector with education I, interestingly, my career started in education and um, as I now approach uh, the end of my executive career, it finishes in education with around 30-odd years in the middle of, of uh, uh, really uh, around uh, environment and energy um, in the environment and energy fields. But so I started in TAFE New South Wales um, and I won't say how long ago, but um, some considerable time ago, as a um, as a senior planner um, in looking at demographic trends, industrial trends, and so on, and what were the sorts of facilities that would be required to meet those future needs in uh, in New South Wales. And now, and then thirty years passed, and then around uh, uh, nine years ago, I came back to education as the Chief Executive of Universities Australia, which is the peak national body that represents all of the universities, um, all the comprehensive universities uh, in Australia. So I um, did that for around seven and a half years. And then um, after that, I moved to the University of Canberra as the Vice President of University Relations and Strategy. But at the same time, too, I took on a number of board roles, so education-related board roles, um, both in relation to school education, um, online uh, delivery, um, some commercial interests and so on. So really now feeling probably more immersed in all all spheres of education than I've ever been and absolutely uh, loving it. And with the University of Canberra, um, my role is really around positioning the University of Canberra really proudly within the Australian higher education system um, and working to ensure 
that the higher education policy, that the University of Canberra has a voice in higher education and research policy and that we provide a really constructive contribution to the development of, of public policy around higher education. Brilliant. And uh, that's so important right at this particular point uh, in time. And that was what I wanted to ask you next. Now, in addition to your current role, busy as that was, um, you've just recently stepped down from acting as the University Vice-Chancellor and even with a good team around you, and I'm sure you do, uh, that's a really big job uh, when things are going swimmingly and, and everything is all straightforward. But you stepped into that role as a global pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in our lifetimes, uh, swept across the world. I wonder, can you describe what it was like to lead the university through those months? And I guess some key questions that I've got as well as any other observations you have, uh, how do you pivot almost overnight to online delivery? How do you stay connected with your students who might have been caught offshore when the travel ban came in? And how do you support your staff through those kinds of really profound changes? Yeah, well, I mean, what greater privilege could there have been for someone like me um, who lives in Canberra and has deep connection with Canberra way back to the 1920s to be invited to take on the role of Vice-Chancellor for my town's university. It was, it was surprising but wonderful and I've got to say it was a tremendous privilege. But, you know, that said, here I was thinking, oh, you know, keep the big seat warm, sign a few checks, sign a few documents. Lo and behold, drought, fires, hail, COVID, they, they were what, uh, they, they were what I was dealing with in the, uh, in the three month period that I served as interim vice chancellor. But, you know, in a strange way, Claire, it was um, in a way my background, particularly around running um, three peak industry bodies for long periods of time, having to deal with many crises within those sectors, perhaps these sometimes these jobs find you, you don't find them, you know, um, and maybe I was better suited through my experience and background in, in fact, managing an institution in, a, in crisis than perhaps university administration in a strange way. Um, so it was, um, it was, again, probably, I, you know, I've, I've had to deal with many crises and although this was very different, every crisis is different, but there is a very similar framework that you bring to bear in dealing with crises, um, which I've done on many occasions and in many situations. So I actually felt quite well prepared by that. And then you mentioned the quality of the team and I was incredibly lucky to have the team at the, the senior executive, not just the senior executive team, but in fact Everyone at the University of Canberra, we're a small, tight-knit community at the University of Canberra, and everyone just put their shoulder to the wheel 
and it really was amazing testament to a smaller university where everyone knew and felt that they were in this together. And I was so fortunate um, to be supported um, in that way and equally by uh, the university council who were also tremendously supportive. But as I say, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's almost, there's a framework. There is a step process to go through in dealing with these issues. And, um, I was fortunate to have enough, uh, have quite a bit of experience in that. And also we had a wonderful, um, crisis management team at the university as well, who's very, very well, um, trained and very well understand how to deal with these issues. Um, and of course, some of the key, some of the key issues there were really ensuring everything was about the students and the staff. So it was, you know, there was a few key things apart from just stepping through what you might always step through in terms of crisis management. Um, some of the big ticket areas that really um, made a difference were always thinking about this from the perspective of the students and the staff. What is it that they might need as we move into this brave new world? And so, you know, a lot of it was dependent on the sorts of support services that we made available to both staff and students, um, the training when it came to uh, remote delivery of our um, of our programs, making sure we had the training involved because a lot of our staff, you know, we're not a big online university and so we've gone from being a very much a face-to-face -face university to remote delivery in a matter of weeks. And so having that having that training, having the technology, that enabled um, staff and students to test, doing the pilots, having the technology to enable people to come together with communities of practice to learn from each other, to support each other was crucial, as was communication. And I just can't um, reiterate that enough. And I think that was something that was very, very uh, well received was the quality of the communication and the amount of it. And that was really challenging, working out you don't want to overwhelm people with information, so you want to provide enough information and communication but no more. And so that was constantly being um, tested, uh, how much communication is enough. And so we were um, uh, constantly going out to students and staff, sometimes on a daily basis, to inform them of what was going on in the external environment but then to join the dots between that and what we needed to do internally. So not only ensuring that people had the information they needed to be able to do their jobs or in students' case to know what support they would be given and how to go about studying remotely, but ensuring that they were able to understand that in the context of what was happening externally as well. So information, communication, transparency and constantly putting ourselves in the shoes of the staff and the students in terms of what they needed, I think that were, were absolutely key uh, to us moving online. And, you know, normally doing something like this, pivoting to an online or to a remote remote environment, you know, if we were thinking about this in under normal circumstances, it's something it would be something that would take um, months, if not years, to develop the strategy and to implement the strategy, whereas we were able to do it, it's nothing like um, Nothing like a crisis, I guess, to uh, to put the to turbocharge the the efforts that were needed to do that, and that's exactly what happened.
Brilliant. And I think you remind us all that it hasn't just been the, the pandemic. And while we're facing that at the moment, uh, some universities um, and other education institutions have absolutely been through the bushfires, not all of them, uh, impacted by those terrible hailstorms uh, um, and uh, and also the impact of drought. So it's been a, a very difficult uh, time. Uh, Captain- you can imagine, sorry, Claire, you can imagine what it was like for our staff because also at the University of Canberra, we started between our academic start years started between two and four weeks earlier than everybody else. So our poor staff were coming back and they had been, and the university had been really affected by the bushfires. Canberra had been a, a nightmare through, um, through, the, through the bushfires. And of course, many of the staff live or have homes down the coast which were you know they were directly affected they'd lost their places down the coast and so on so that we had people coming back um on campus while there was while the air was still thick with smoke absolutely exhausted from a summer where they could do nothing go nowhere in some cases fighting the fires losing their losing property losing um and their friends everyone was touched by it in some way so had come back early without having really felt that had any break at all, absolutely exhausted, and then to be hit by uh, COVID and having to pull out all stops for the sake of our students to uh, to get everything up and running remotely from a very low base. Um, so the effort was extraordinary under those circumstances, absolutely extraordinary, but incredible testament to um, to the resilience of this institution and the the warmth of the institution and the collegiate nature of of the university. I'm, I often refer to University of Canberra as a family, and it really, really came through over those. Um, it really has come through over the past six months. I've actually got uh, goosebumps as you re- recounted that. I have um, uh, close friends who were also uh, impacted uh, and fighting uh, fires to save a property down on the south coast and the thought of all of that effort um, and then to return and be plunged into this is uh, quite extraordinary and uh, hats off to uh, to you staff and colleagues for uh, the work that they've done under just incredible circumstances. Belinda, I wonder if you could reflect on what you learned about yourself as a leader in through that, that um, particularly those um, crises that you've um, that you've talked about, those external factors um, shaping the the university at the time, and also how you intend or you are using that knowledge about yourself um, in in your work now and uh, and as you see it uh, into the future. Yeah, look, that's a, a really interesting question. Um, I guess. I guess in thinking about it, probably two areas, and maybe it's more reinforcing than 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 learning new things about me. I certainly learnt a lot of things about the institution and the people in the institution, and just how lucky we are to have the people that we do, and how lucky I am 
to work in in my hometown's university that is just there to support my hometown. I mean, really, that's maybe that that is one of the key issues. Is is really just you know not that I uh, you know it really just reinforced um, the incredible respect that I have for UC and its people. Um, me as an individual, um, I think it re- reinforced that. I perhaps do work best when challenged, provided I've got the skills and the knowledge and the experience that there is something very energising about a challenge where you're not only, you know, you're not responsible for yourself, you're actually responsible for something way bigger and way more important. And, um, you know, you never know what you're capable of until you're thrust in a situation where you just you've just got to keep on keeping on. So, I think that well, that did reinforce in in my mind that fortunately, because of the experience that I'd had and the team that I had around me and the people we had in the institution, it was really um, it did reinforce that that I am at my best when I'm challenged. And that was that's interesting. Um, the other thing, uh, and when I say at my best, you know, in these situations, it's about being calm. It's about being decisive. It's about being methodical. It's about being systematic. It's about being able to put yourselves in the shoe yourself in the shoes of others and think, what would I need in this situation? Um, so, and I think. Perhaps the other thing, again, that was reinforced is, you know, we always talk about the importance of communication and engagement and connection, but, boy, um, learning not just how important the right communication and uh, the right communication is and at the right time, just how incredibly important it is in a situation like COVID where people are isolated. People are isolated, so it's not just, you know, under normal circumstances type um, communication, but it's about thinking about what would be, what what can not only provide information but what can also help people stay connected and help people feel that they continue to be part of a community. So that was really interesting and really important and it will be seared in my mind forever the value that communication can play in connecting, not just informing but in connecting people. And, you know, at a time like this, again, we're, we're fortunate in the technologies that we have available to us um, to enable us to do that. And, boy, there was a lot of people learning a lot of technology very, very quickly, but they did. And um, we'll never unlearn that and we'll never unlearn how to connect in times of stress and in times where we need to be taking care of each other. So that's been a really important learning that I will never unlearn and I don't think many people will. Um, so I think they're probably they're probably the key takeouts more than lessons from that from that period. Um, and just the students as well, you know, so many students went into this really nervous, really uncomfortable, anxious, and then 
We did some pilots early on before we rolled it out and we did it in a fairly staged way so that we could learn from each phase. And some of the pilots we did and the feedback that we got from students was really positive. In fact, there was almost no negative feedback. And whether that's because it did, they were pleasantly surprised and I like to think that was the case, that they were actually getting a richer experience than they had anticipated and possibly even a richer experience than they would have otherwise but you also just got the sense that um, in crisis, people do pull together. They know everyone's doing their best, and so they then um, they then become their best selves as well. It is always terrific uh, to talk with you, and you've given us such a lot uh, to think about. Uh, thank you so much for making time, and I wish you and the team at UC and your students, of course, um, all the very best in the years ahead. Thank you, Claire. Pleasure.